tuning in to the Top Rank Podcast. This is Marcel. And this is Isabel. So for any new listeners out there, our podcast is an offshoot of Top Rank Magazine, a publication that's based in Brooklyn and profiles women of diverse backgrounds who are driving, shaping, and challenging the world around them. We think of our podcast as a process-oriented research platform grounded in conversation. Working in collaboration with our guests and our listeners, we hope to create a flexible knowledge production outlet that is exploratory rather than being prescriptive or conclusive. I would also like to say before we begin that we've had to reschedule this recording several times and by pure coincidence, we happen to be here on Valentine's Day, which is perversely fitting. We are about to have a conversation about the very real intersections of basic social etiquette and of abuse, violence, and even death. Cultural conventions of gender and by extension of romance exemplify the same themes of possession, coercion, transaction, and submission, which we will discuss this evening. In any case, happy Valentine's Day, and we're going to get to it. So last May, I attended a conversation at May Day Space in Brooklyn between writer and scholar Sylvia Federici, who some of you may know as the author of Caliban and the Witch, and three founding members of Argentinian feminist movement Ni Una Menos. It was one of the most acute and compelling political conversations that I've ever been part of, and it was a conversation about violence, about protest, and about reimagining community beyond national lines and about the real requisites of action. Neona Menos, which translates into uh, Not One Lust, is a feminist movement aimed at combating femicide and gender-based violence in general. A femicide is the intentional killing of women because of their gender. Neona Menos was founded in 2015, and according to their manifesto at the time, in Argentina in 2008, a woman was killed every 40 hours. In 2014, a woman was killed every 30 hours. And in the span of those seven years, the media only covered 1,808 of these cases. Neona Menos is committed to the social upheaval necessary to change a culture that casts women as objects to use, to control, to consume, and to discard. Their community work ranges from organizing protests, marches, and strikes to discussions, as well as putting forward formal government demands. Ni Una Menos affiliates now span numerous Latin American countries, and the collective has become an alliance of feminist forces, including artists, journalists, and academics. So this evening, we're incredibly honored that with us today, via Skype, are two of the movement's founders, Cecilia Palmero and Veronica Gago. So welcome, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, we're going to just start w- with our first question, which is, um, what is the origin story of Ni Una Menos? How and why did you guys form and what were the events that were direct causes? And if you could just say your name and introduce yourself before you start talking so our audience can recognize your voices. My name is Cecilia Palmeiro. Uh, thanks so much for having us tonight. Um, and I'll take the first question then. Uh, the origin of Nuna Menos, well, first of all, I would like to say that Nuna Menos is both a collective and a social movement, a network of movements 
um, that reaches beyond national borders. The collective started in 2015 as an urgent response against the dramatic increase of femicide rate in Argentina. Um, this collective uh, actually started with a poetry reading marathon revisiting the Argentine literary tradition from the perspective of femicide and violence against women. The name, Ni Una Menos, uh, Not One Woman Less, came from a poem by Mexican writer Susana Chavez, which said, Ni Una Muerta Más, Ni Una Mujer Menos, Not One Dead Woman More, Not One Woman Less. And it became uh, a very catchy hashtag as Ni Una Menos, the condensation of this verse. Uh, a couple of months later, after uh, a terrible femicide, the collective uh, called for a first national rally, which mobilized half a million women or people in general, not only women, all over Argentina. And since then, the claim has been reappropriated and recreated by different transnational organizations as a war cry, as magic words, or as a common password for the struggles against machista violence in diverse contexts and territories, but especially in Latin America, Spain, and Italy. So the movement uh, that started Nina Menos extended around the world, constituting uh, a new collective political actor that we call the feminist tide. So the, this common, uh, this common crowd, it, cry, this hashtag, uh, soon became a tide uh, because it has managed to. Uh, put the bodies on the streets. So from the hashtag, from the, the social media, social networks, to the streets. So, Cecilia, thank you so much for, for giving that, that overview of, of the origin story of the collective and the movement. And you mentioned in um, your response that this term, machista, uh, violence, and we're aware that Neona Menas has defined its platform as a collective cry against this form of violence. So for anyone who is not ma perhaps familiar with this term or this idea, would either of you be willing to define machista violence uh, for anyone who might not be familiar with the term? Yes, uh, well, I am Veronica Agago. Uh, I want to say thank you again for this conversation. Um, and yes, this is a very important question because uh, we refer to machista violence as all forms of violence that target women. Uh, of course, the femicide is the most brutal, but we map and denounce different kinds of violence uh, that are, for example, the condition of possibility of femicide. So uh, we connect different kinds of violences as economic violence, financial violence, political violence, state violence, social violence, in order to understand how these multiple forms of violence haunt and limit the autonomy of women. I think that uh, Nuna Menos shed light on the connection between uh, the most dramatic manifestation of violence against women, like femicide, and their structural roots. So uh, we always say that Nuna Menos is a reaction against the multiplication of, of femicide, but also a public cry that has to do with struggles over, uh, over our body's autonomy. So I think that um, machista violence is not a phenomenon confined to the household. 
uh, it's not just uh, domestic violence, although there is a lot of violence in the household. But um, we stress the link between what happens within the household and the much wider fabric of social processes and conflicts. And we also would like to stress that machista violence has increased uh, due to uh, the policies of uh, cut spending, the um, disappearance of the state, the, um, the uh, economic violence against both men and women. All these reasons actually uh, multiply the violence against us. Yes, this has to do also with the uh, extreme neoliberal government that is now in Argentina. And for example, we are trying to investigate with different organizations, for example, um, how the debt, the state of indebtedness of the women are um, uh, now uh, putting limits to our autonomy, for example. Wow. So you're really connecting yeah. like a broader social and political and economic framework that essentially is supporting the ruthless killing of, of women and, and violence against women in a, exactly. in, in a, in a broader sense. So it's a, it's exactly. a deeper yeah. structural issue that's cultural, but is also kind of supported by social, political and economic structures. Yeah, that's yeah. Th thank you for that. That's really essential. I feel like often in conversations about activism, individual issues are kind of seen in a vacuum and that we don't have enough, um, we don't have enough discussions about the ways in which all of these things are actually like very much connected and feeding into one another. So I'm really glad that we're today going to think about it that way. But another yes, question, and I, yeah. And I, sorry, I oh, think no, no. that connected with the idea of Nuna Menos as a social movement, as Cecilia was talking about, I think that this mapping of different kind of violences uh, has to do with um, a shared uh, research with different organizations, group, collectives. It's not our academic uh, production. It's a co-research or a more militant research that a different kind of experiences, group, grassroots uh, organizations are working in, in their uh, everyday life also. Also, this is why um, our movement has been called a feminism for the 99%, because this is not only um, a feminist academic movement based on the experiences of us as middle-class um, white women, urban, etc., but rather we don't, we don't represent anyone. We work together in assemblies when we share different perspectives. So, uh, we are connected in a network with um, so many different uh, forms of feminism, queer feminism, indigenous feminism, African-American uh, or African-Latin American feminism, uh, migrant feminism, um, fem uh, the, the activism of women that are incarcerated and so on and so forth. So this is how we have enriched our views by connecting to the experiences of very diverse women with different uh, political backgrounds. 
Yes, maybe this is for us uh, a very important component of the social movement that came from the South and that has to do with uh, different uh, social movements, traditions in Latin America, but also um, trying to uh, update different kinds of social conflicts and especially different kinds of resistance. Yes. And we also uh, uh, link all the forms of violence um, against women to the capitalist system of exploitation, which is a system based on inequality and accumulation by dispossession. Thank you. We're definitely actually going to come back to that capitalism point because that's something that we really want to discuss. But before we get to that... Um, so Neona Manos has been cited as a model for feminist organizing across the world, including for the Women's March, the first one in Washington last January, and which was precipitated by the election of Donald Trump. Could you tell us just a little bit generally right now what kinds of organizing that you do, like, uh, for example, the marches and protests that you've staged so far, and also about the first ever mass women's labor strike, which took place in October of 2016? Well, for example, I start from now. Uh, we are now having massive assemblies to organize the next uh, international women's strike, the next uh, March 8. Um, we were, for example, the original initiators, but the space now is coordinated by very different groups because we gather more than 1,500 women each Friday. So um, the assemblies are for us this um, nomadic or itinerant device that are uh, all the time producing this kind of new type of organization, but also this kind of uh, collective uh, intelligence in order to project, uh, well, what means uh, to, mobil to mobilize uh, so many women, uh, how we will occupy the streets, uh, how will uh, be possible to avoid uh, the repression. And um, I think that uh, in these assemblies, we are able to put together uh, very different narratives, very different conflicts, very different experiences, very different generations. And this is like um, part of a tide, and as Ceci was mentioning, but also part of this uh, time for ourselves. We are producing this uh, time for striking from now. And this is for us a very important um, idea because we consider that the strike is not just uh, one day. It's not uh, just uh, a meeting and then everyone came back to their houses. Uh, we consider that the strike is a political process and we are trying to um, feed this process all the time. For us, uh, meeting in assemblies is uh, fundamental because this is the place where we weave uh, those alliances with different social sectors. We work together on writing or coming up with our claims, on writing our documents, um, in an exercise of collective writing, of collective intelligence, but also of direct democracy. 
Yes, and this is part of what uh, you were saying at the beginning, that we try to reimagine communities. And in these uh, assemblies, communities, uh, we also uh, invite unions, uh, college students, uh, grassroots organizations, but also women that is uh, their first experience uh, with, a, with a movement, for example. So with so with the assemblies and the collective collective writing and and direct democracy, what kinds of goals and uh, demands has Neonomenas been setting forth at these at these meetings and and who um, perhaps are are you all addressing with the with with your goals? Well, our our main struggle at this moment is uh, against neoliberalism, against the neoliberal violence uh, against us. And feminism appears as a, a perspective from which to perceive and address all these issues. Um, we usually um, negotiate uh, our, our claims, for instance, of course, the, the main one is against all forms of violences, then um, we specify, uh, for instance, uh, the violence uh, of the repressive state, the discrimina discriminatory practices against uh, queer women, the, um, the plunder of the territories for peasant women, uh, the colonizing aspects of um, land owning and extractivism uh, that is uh, very relevant for indigenous women, uh, the, the violence of uh, the criminalization of migratory movements. Uh, and we get together, we organize uh, the talks. Uh, imagine 1,500 women is a very difficult uh, organization. Hmm. It flows because we all are there for the same reason and we share the, 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 um, the basics. For now, our main um, our main claims will be uh, to stop the the massive uh, dismissals of uh, jobs, um, to stop uh, the closure of the state, for instance, in the healthcare system, uh, all the networks of protection for women. Um, then, of course, abortion. The decriminalization of abortion is for us a very important. Uh, claim, and we hope uh, soon we will uh, achieve um, this uh, the free choice on our bodies. Um, and we we all are into linking the different forms of violence. This is how we can get together, and none of our claims contradict the other. We all it's we add and we add and we multiply. This is how it grows. Yes, and, and we take into account the, the document that we produced together also in assembly a year ago. And now we are updating, as Ceci was telling, uh, and integrating in terms of all this heterogeneous composition of the, of the movement. Uh, we especially address the government uh, claiming a set of public policies. But I think that maybe even more importantly, uh, is that we shed light on the relevance of a set of power relations beyond the state. 
We emphasize the need of building um, and entrenching the social power of women because I, we think that we are producing uh, a different source of, source of power because we want a radical transformation. I think that this idea of uh, that we are producing a different source of powers is uh, very interesting because it's something that we feel in the assembly in this uh, direct democracy that we are um, uh, feeling in these uh, mobilizations also. But also we are creating this power at a micro-political level. This power is not only the power of the tide on the street, the power that um, contests neoliberalism, but also machismo at its very roots. Machismo mm. at home, machismo at work, machismo on the streets. After these experiences of gathering that we have, we have been uh, sustaining for two years now, we don't organize anything by ourselves now, ni una menos. We always call for open assemblies and we make this a huge collective process. Uh, this is very empowering. This changes you. Uh, you. You go back home and you're a different person. And this is what strikes us uh, the most, the, the sensitive aspect of this revolution, that it cannot be stopped because you can repress a march on the street or they can, I don't know, forbid uh, our expression on the media, but they cannot stop this feeling that we have. Yes, in, in, in that sense, uh, I think that uh, in these assemblies, you have the experience that goes beyond uh, victimhood. That is always the discards that came from media or from uh, the conservative uh, movement that are very strong in this moment in Latin America. Yeah, I mean, actually, I was, that's that's a perfect. I was actually going to ask you, Veronica, to talk a bit more about the the victimhood framing that I, I read in um in an interview you have with Jacobin that you wanted to kind of take that to task a bit. Could you expand on 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 what your what your trouble is with that kind of media framing of 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 women's women's issues um, right now? Yes, because, um, for example, with the measure of the strike, uh, we um, attempt to politi politicize uh, these different violences that we were talking about. Um, and the intersection between gender violence and you know, economic and social violence uh, allows us to... Um, go beyond this logic of victimhood. Because all the time the media said, oh, poor women, uh, you are being killed, uh, you just uh, keep in your house or um, in a permanent state of mourn. Um, so we try to, to go beyond, to politicize this um, terrible phenomenon uh, in Argentina, but also in Latin America. And we produce another kind of narrative, a political narrative that um, challenge this idea of women are just victims. Mm. Also, yeah, like, oh, sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. So please continue. Yeah. yeah, the strike allows us to intervene in uh, politics and economy and in the sphere of, of production. Uh, it, it allows us to take uh, this micro-political revolution into the macro-political level because we interrupt production and we interrupt the economy. 
And we, this is um, very important for us because we want to link economy with machismo. And we want to show that uh, machismo depends on, and patriarchy depends on capitalism. Actually, we wanted to ask you to expand on that because there's been a couple mentions in this conversation about the relationship between neoliberalism, capitalism, and violence. So if you could explain a little bit about where you see that connection and how it's important to how you guys perceive of, of everything that you're doing. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, you were quoting Silvia Federici, and for us it's a very relevant uh, reference to think uh, together this um, relation between gender subordination and exploitation and uh, try to, to think feminism as a radical tool for um, uh, for a critic of neoliberal and um, capitalist uh, forms of exploitation um, uh, against uh, women, but not only women. So um, we are trying all the time to update this kind of hypothesis of uh, uh, why cap capital exploits women, labor as a non-paid labor, and uh, try to politicize uh, also all the uh, spaces of uh, reproductive labor. So the, the strike in, in that sense was a very important and very decisive uh, moment uh, to understand what kind of uh, political subjects uh, are we trying to, to build in the street, in the houses. Um, so uh, we are trying all the time to develop this kind also of um, political research. Also, we were very inspired by, by Silvia Federici's idea of um, uh, the foundation of patriarchy as a condition of possibility of uh, capitalism. Um, in her book, she explains how uh, by the dispossession of women, um, the bourgeois uh, men, of course, in the cities, the beginning of the cities, uh, had the possibility of accumulation. And this primitive accumulation that opened the possibility for the colonial capitalism to expand was based on the dispossession of women. When she writes this book, she is also living in uh, Africa, where she is witnessing a similar process in the 80s, in the first wave of neoliberalism, how violence against women uh, gets worse uh, in times of uh, accumulation to launch a new phase of capitalism. This is also what we are witnessing now worldwide, not only in Argentina. I don't think uh, it is random. Um, Donald Trump's affirmation of women uh, like nasty women, grab them by the pussy, etc., etc., with a process of general um, dispossession. And this applies to many other countries. Yes, and I think that this uh, hypothesis of exploitation and dispossession is not, is not just um, a theoretical perspective. Uh, you could understand these ideas um, uh, from very situated uh, conflicts in Latin America, conflicts that has to do with um, 
uh, with the eviction, with uh, land property, with uh, agribusiness. So we are trying to connect all the time this kind of feminist diagnostic of uh, dispossession and exploitation with uh, concrete conflicts. For us, violence against women is inherent to capitalism. It's a structural factor of the labor market and not an accident or an unwanted consequence. On, on that point, I mean, we've been um, hearing a lot recently about um, the uh, intense dispossession exploitation of women in Hollywood, for example. Like, mm -hmm. the, it seems like the, a lot of the whole Me Too movement, although we know was started by Toronto Burke, has kind of been taken up as a, as a rallying cry within the media and entertainment industry to really shed light on the exploitation of, mm -hmm. of women in that space. Um, and I was, uh, and of course beyond, but it seems like this, this movement has been really um, kind of... Uh, launched within the media space in particular mm. and I was and I was wondering if you both could speak to the relationship between your work as activists uh, within this and and also recent anti-harassment campaigns um, that have gained traction the last the past few months like how do you how would you situate perhaps Neona Menos's work with the the hashtag me too movement that is that is um, gaining gaining steam right now well, uh, in, actually, in 2016, we organized a social media campaign very similar to Me Too, but with more narrative called My First Abuse, Mi Primer Abuso, uh, through which women would publicly tell their first experience with sexual harassment. So uh, very happy to see that uh, the Me Too campaign has, um, has flooded and has uh, taking over the debates on uh, gender violence on the media. So now uh, when you watch TV or whatever media, it's all about this, thanks to the, the privileged position of these women that nevertheless were exploited, harassed, abused, when not, or, or, or raped directly. Um, so we, we think this is, it, it's amazing that uh, women now are uh, speaking loud and we are uh, denouncing um, the abuses and, and the experiences of exploitation. I was very uh, struck by uh, the story of Oma Thurman, where she tells that she was um, forced, basically, to uh, drive a car in an unsafe situation, and she had an accident. So this, mm -hmm. uh, it's incredible, the, the, the fact that uh, such a famous woman, such a wealthy uh, woman, can also be exploited at this point to risking her life for a film. Um, so this shows also that the, uh, the transversal aspect of uh, gender violence, that it affects us all, although, of course, it intersects with other forms of oppression. But it's very, it's very useful and very inspiring for women to know that they are not alone, that they can speak out, that other women will be listening, and that uh, other that they will not be judged, that they will uh, be comforted and supported by others. Although I think uh, it is important always to connect uh, sexual violence with uh, other forms of violence. Uh, otherwise, there is the risk that we might 
stay only within the realm of uh, sexual harassment that could find a solution if, let's say, men decided to behave. But then the, all the other forms of violence, of capitalist violence as an exploitation, uh, could be maintained. Yes, I think that it's the most uh, important thing for us is to stress this connection between sexual sexual violence and labor relations and um, this campaign uh, make visible. But um, I think that um, thinking about the United States, uh, I would like to mention that we have been very inspired, by, for instance, by a movement also as Black Lives Matter. Uh, since we, we sense big affinity uh, between their discourse of racial violence and our elaboration of uh, machista violence that we were talking about. Um, I, I would like to to underline this other uh, movement that for us is uh, very, very important and maybe is not so uh, well known as uh, Me Too campaign. And also Occupy was an inspiration for us a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. But uh, all this network of movements, um, I think this is a trend on uh, the 21st century. Uh, these movements that grow... Uh, thanks to the uh, social networks, but also bring people together to the group. Speaking of the intersection between these kind of different movements and different hashtags, one question that mm. we wanted to ask you is, what have been some of the challenges for you of bringing together transnational movements, both logistically and ideologically? Like, how do you navigate tensions and disagreements that inevitably arise with any kind of organizing? Because I mean, it, it, it's actually incredible that you're dealing with the volume of people that you are, and I, and I wonder about what the challenges are with that. Well, I don't know if we are very success, successful on that, <laughs> but <laughs> um, we uh, could... Um, tell that uh, in a first moment uh, we feel that this kind of uh, transnational dimension of our movement was uh, very powerful or, or more spontaneous and not organized uh, resonances across uh, diverse geographical scales. Uh, well, we know about Poland, but also after that uh, Italy, uh, more than 20 countries in, in Latin America, also in the United States. And I think that after that, on this basis of um, a common ground or these uh, powerful resonances, we started to get involved in a process of networking. Um, I think that um, this process is growing um, in, in terms of uh, what we were talking about, the strike as a political process and, and not a mere event. And we are trying to consolidate um, uh, over the last year this kind of uh, political network. I think that especially uh, in Latin America, um, it's important this uh, accumulate experience around uh, social movements, around different uh, type of, um, of conflict. And now the feminist movements are um, trying to uh, update and to uh, take advantage of all this accumulate experience. 
also for us that uh, at some points we want to uh, get into the macro political. At this moment, we are intervening in the strikes. We, of course, uh, the debates on gender violence are having an effect within political parties, within uh, trade unions, with, within uh, all sorts of political organizations. But what we really need now is uh, a real transversality. We um, we need the feminist agenda on the state for real. So also, um, I would like to, to point uh, other challenges that we are facing, that the feminist movement is uh, facing uh, around the world. One is puritanism, punitivism, and pinkwashing, or the neoliberal appropriation of our claims. Um, mm. There is a... The, there is a uh, what is called carceral feminism that is uh, stressing the the punitive aspects um, of, for instance, uh, against uh, sexual harassment or uh, or all sexual crimes. But uh, we want to insist on our sex positive policies as we consider pleasure as a human right, and we don't think that more repression and more mass incarceration is the solution. So we, we need to avoid the traps of the system that wants to um, put our movement in the frames of uh, uh, neoliberal capitalism. Yes, I, I, in that sense, I think that um, the, the diversity of uh, feminists that came from Latin America that has to do with indigenous uh, struggles with um, Mm, the struggles or the assemblies in the slums, uh, but also with the discussion in the trade unions, is um, like a counterpower to this kind of uh, pinkwashing. Uh, I think that uh, we are trying to build um, a more uh, popular feminism or feminism from below, if you want, uh, trying to connect uh, very different experiences and trying to avoid this kind of uh, marketing of uh, our statements, of our uh, mobilizations, but also uh, trying to go beyond the gender uh, agenda um, through um, a feminist agenda. Yeah, we're really interested, actually, in the in that idea of how do you make something a mass movement without it becoming commodified? Because I feel like at least in the United... I mean, the pinkwashing mm. phenomena is something that we're definitely experiencing. And at least in the United States, the link between yeah. something being mainstream and being mm. part and being essentially a product is so strong that it's almost impossible to imagine what it would be like for those things to be mutually exclusive. Um so I'm curious as to how you think that's possible. I think that we are trying to build this kind of radicality. Uh, we don't have a receipt <laughs> for this, but um, I think that this kind of uh, very open spaces, like the assemblies that we were talking about, and this kind of um, guide uh, through the conflicts, the social and the political conflicts, is something that avoid this kind of um, metabolization of pinkwashing or the um, the, converse, the conversion into a mainstream subject, uh, or and definitely an, an inoffensive uh, discourse. Also, our, our methodology has been so far 
radicalization of claims by inclusion of uh, different populations' uh, experiences. So, so far, of course, there, there is uh, the fashion labels are selling uh, T-shirts saying I'm a feminist, mm-hmm. and, and at this point, uh, all the the, the um, even the, the most uh, superficial TV shows of gossips and stuff like that are talking about feminism. So, if there is a risk that this might. Uh, turn into just a fashion, um, but at the same time, this coexists with uh, the claims of the indigenous um, women, for instance, against the nation state, against capitalism, uh, against uh, colonialism. So uh, it, it is a very uh, interesting balance between this uh, this will of uh, the market to absorb our movement and at the same time the radicality of our claims that every year are going further and further. Yes, and transversality is this keyword that uh, I think allows us to not uh, be in all the time in a ghetto. No? Uh, for example, mm. in a sector that uh, you don't uh, never know about women, for example, in other neighborhoods or women in the um, in the factories or women in the public services. So I think that this um, very difficult um, um, idea of this coalition and convergences uh, with uh, unusual alliances that we are trying to build, that is a political work, uh, this is um, uh, a way that we try to all the time um, produce uh, in terms of materiality of our uh, mix, but also of our political power. So just... Oh, no, no, please continue, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, I would like to add that together with this work uh, in the Assembly, um, the, the, it's like the new Namenos commitment goes beyond the, the meetings and people are trying to uh, produce images, produce colors, produce uh, non-verbal language for expression of not only the claims, but the contestation against uh, neoliberalism and against particularly this government that we suffer now. So it's like we are having uh, different, so many sources for the creation of, the, of something new. We are trying to... Uh, not only criticize what is happening, but also imagine the world we want to live in. So we are creating utopias. So so I think just to build on and and to close, um, the the last point that you both have, have, have made so powerfully is, you know, in the midst of a very trying reality, as as is, can't be overstated, um, you know, when feminism risks being appropriated and co-opted by neoliberal mm. capitalism, among many other challenges, um, what advice would you give to other activists, feminist activists, and women around the world who perhaps are looking to Ni Una Menas and, and to you as as leaders uh, for direction and support? You spoke a lot about these sort of micro political and cultural shifts that are necessary to happen. So I was wondering, what are you, what is your advice for people wanting to um, wanting to fight for for justice ultimately? 
Yes, we could give some advice, but not as leaders. We are part of this movement of this tide. So we uh, have a lot of initiatives within the social movement. We are not thinking about ourselves as a political orientation of all the movement. So this is important to for us because it's part of our um, um, form of political um, ideas of how to feed this uh, social movement. So I, I think that um, uh, we chant in the street this old slogan, an injury to one is an injury to all. And um, uh, I think that this is like a kind of advice in terms of uh, the necessity of building this collective body, the, the feeling that we are not alone. And uh, we feel that in the streets, but also uh, we feel that in a little assembly in a neighborhood, but uh, we also feel that when we could share with our, in our work, for example, uh, a conflict. So I think that this is very important. We chant also the streets belong to us. And I think that this this kind of empowerment uh, of being together, the going beyond this logic of victimhood that we were talking about, is um, a power to uh, go beyond uh, confinement in uh, our private spaces. And as Ceci was talking about uh, which is the way in which we want to live. Uh, when we say alive, we want us, the, the slogan that we took from the Mexican movement, I think that it does not only refer for us to the necessity to stop femicide. I think that is also an invitation to uh, create and to invent um, new forms of life that uh, we desire. And this kind of desire is a collective desire. And we try to all the time um, produce in this kind of new political spaces this uh, desire of being together. I think one of the most interesting things, not of our collective alone, but of all this movement that goes well beyond ourselves. And also I'd like to stress, like Vera said, we are not the leaders, we are just immersed in this tide. But we, it's like it, it opened up a source of uh, new energy that I have never at least myself perceived before. This connection between women, this, uh, we, the, the tide is uh, the result of a, uh, a force of attraction between celestial bodies. And also this is how we build our tide because we feel empathy. We, we don't feel uh, that other women are competitors anymore, like patriarchy wants us to believe. But now we see, and I think this is international, this is not only here, we see in other w women, we see a compañera, we see uh, an ally. And uh, this empathy, this sorority, is uh, what we need to feed. And we need to uh, feed this power using, of course, 
the tools that we have at every moment, um, but we need to feel that we are part of something bigger than oneself. And this is already comforting and stimulating. And we should not underestimate the role of affect, imagination and creativity in uh, a revolutionary process. I think we just need to raise awareness to take over our own power. Yes, I think that this is the different source of power that we were mentioning before. Wow, and with, yeah, and wow. with that, I mean, I, I thank you, thanks to both of you, Cecilia Palmero and Veronica Gago of New Nomenos, um, for joining us uh, today and and sharing your insights and um, and your very profound um, yes insight into how we could all be making change in our own communities. Um, so thank you very much for, for making the time. Yeah, thank um, you guys. That, thank you both. You guys are really amazing and inspiring to us, and it's really, really special to get to hear you speak about these things in, in the first person because these ideas are really radical to even the kind of organizing that's going on right now in the U.S. So we really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, and we keep connected. Yes, that sounds Absolutely. good. And thank you also to Hassan, our sound engineer, to Sienna, our producer, to Top Rank, the magazine that created this podcast, and to Red Bull, where I am right now. Be on the lookout. Follow us on Instagram at Top Rank Magazine. And yes, be in touch. And until next time. Thank you, see guys. See you later. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. 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 Me on the road, I hear call out to me. Trace see me in my pants and tink. See me in my altar back. Send me give a heart attack.